1: Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the 24th of February. I'm Giselle Hanna.
0: And I'm Pierre Morrow and it's the last Saturday of uh, of February. The year's just racing away, Giselle, isn't it?
1: You just create significance from all manner of things, don't you? The last Saturday in February...
0: That's right, Giselle, when, when, when you westward. get to a certain age and, and level of wisdom, you can see the beauty and the significance into everything, but well, anyway. we shall
1: both wait until we reach that level of wisdom, shall we, Pierre?
0: That's right, but first of all, let's say thank you to um, Annie Annie for another very good uh, program of Solidary Breakfast, and the music that you were listening to was Further Adventures of the Time by the Church, so there you go. I like that one. I could have kept playing it. But people have to listen to us, don't they?
1: Oh, I don't know that they feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we tell them who brings no, them the show? That's though?
0: right, and then what's coming up during the show.
1: Certainly. So um, AA, uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web at all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms and stay in touch.
0: That's right, and listeners, as you can see, I'm still um, training the grasshopper here on the other side of the of the desk. Well, but, during
1: uh, said training, listeners, let me tell you, Pierre is going to attempt to interview me in the second part of the show. I haven't yet decided how much of a hard time I'm going to give him, but nonetheless, that is what's happening. And
0: the reason I'm going to interview you is because... On Unlike
1: the- some of us, Pierre, I am actually an activist, so you're interviewing me about my current political political activities in the International Women's Day Collective organizing a rally and march and a public meeting.
0: That's right. I could (laughs) hardly have said it better myself, Giselle. But, of course, in the first half, we'll have our uh, usual news roundup of the region. And, of course, you're listening to 3CR Radio, a favourite community radio station, who's been here at least 40 years. I think I don't know if it's 41 or whatever. (coughs) I've lost count, really. And I've been here too long as well.
1: (laughs) You've been here for, what, 37 of those 41 years? Uh, Something like that. Not
0: quite. 91, whatever that is.
1: A long time. Yes. We are going to kick off, though in the Philippines. Uh, And, of course, President Duterte's war on drugs still unleashes unrelenting terror on workers. Since the start of his war on drugs in 2016, it's now estimated that over 20,000 people have been murdered by police, paramilitary units or hit squads. Almost all the victims have been from working-class communities in the Philippines. A reign of terror now grips millions of workers and their families as armed gunmen daily roam their neighbourhoods looking for new targets. The perpetrators enjoy total impunity. Pres- President Duterte recently upped the stakes even further by now offering a bounty of three hundred eighty US dollars for any communist rebel killed. And of course, three hundred eighty dollars US in the Philippines is quite a bit of money. It, it, but you basically. Um, unleashing workers on other workers now just let them kill themselves
0: that's right and it's hard to actually you know what else to to say after that i mean it's so incredible what is happening there and while we report and whatever not many anyway i won't keep going it's just um Uh,
1: it is horrendous and um it is shocking how little is commented how the the just how much we've lowered our standards and how much we're willing to tolerate or accept as normal now.
0: That's right. And it's not just even you're talking about, um, that was very well put, one or two murder. You're actually talking mass murder, on ongoing mass murder. All right, we go to... Um uh, close by to Cambodia, where Moin, as uh, we've brought you before, Moen Tula is a long-time supporter and activist on the side of the Cambodian working class. Moen, with two other activists, was recently charged with stealing funds in a clearly politically motivated attack to stifle opposition to the current government. In a clear statement of support around the world, more than 30 labor and human rights organizations have joined the, the call, uh, have joined to call on the Cambodian government to stop the persecution against activists like Mourn And I think, Giselle, we've just added our voice to that as well.
1: That's right. The international statement that at the moment is being coordinated by a here in Australia and others are signing on and, of course, his organisation, the CLEC, the Cambodian Legal and Education Centre, um, is collecting those statements of support. When we say that we... Uh, Know Tola quite well. We have met with him, we organised mutual campaigns together and we attended a conference in Malaysia together um, that was the People's Summit for the ASEAN um, conference and um, he worked with us and some other comrades to actually try and push that People's Summit to the left because, of course, it was quite a liberal, human rights kind of affair Um, and us and the Cambodians and the Malaysians worked quite hard to institute a a worker's voice in that conference so um, he's a comrade he's someone that we know personally so it's similar to Somiyot for those who actually worked with Somiyot so many of our comrades are personally and emotionally impacted by this arrest.
0: That's right um, Giselle very well put and I think you've got the next one
1: so, we're in India. Last week, five workers were killed and another 11 hospitalised when an explosion ripped through the area that they were working inside a ship in the southern city of Cochin. The incident is still under investigation, but it's believed that a buildup of uh, acetylene gas and an exposed welding flame caused that fire. Health and safety conditions in many Indian workplaces are substandard with lax enforcement of the rules. In this instance, it seems that the owners of the shipyard had obtained an OHS self-certification, which allows companies to self-regulate and therefore cut costs. And of course, we're telling this extraordinary story about India. And sometimes I wonder if people are sitting at home listening, oh, these things that happen in India. This is exactly the direction that we're moving to in Australia with the continual reduction of um, industrial standards and conditions.
0: That's right. That's right. Now, I have to say we've actually got a little bit of good news now. After those um, some of them quite horrific stories, we go to Iran. I know it's hard to think that we're going to have good news in Iran, but after almost eight months of bitter disputes, dispute, the workers at the Haftapa sugar complex in in uh, Shush, in the region of Shush, have managed to secure the payment in full of the wage arrears dating back to July two thousand and seventeen. The tipping point in this struggle was the very recent threat by the workers to take over the complex from management. Now, while getting they've got their wages paid, there are a number of other outstanding issues, which include the fact that the daily contract workers also have to be paid their wages owed to them, and that management ref, uh, refuse, still refuses to recognise the unions, which the workers formed um, 10 years ago. There you go.
1: Well, um it is good that we've got good news from Iran given um so many of our comrades are still in prison over there, but it does show you that unrelenting and uh courageous struggle is actually what wins. Moving now to Turkey where, unfortunately, we're going to comment on some journalists or bring you news of journalists that have gotten life sentences. Three journalists in Turkey were sentenced to life in prison over allegations of their involvement in the 2016 coup attempt. Their alleged crime was to have broadcast and printed subliminal messages inciting people to overthrow the government. Three other people also received life sentences while another journalist, Deniz Yussel, was released after a year in detention following the intervention of the uh, German government. These convictions quite clearly show the level of repression that exists in Turkey and the moment uh, at the moment and is a clear danger for labor and human rights activists in that country, not just showing the um, level of repression, but the level of paranoia of that leader. I mean, everything we saw after the coup was one expression or another of his paranoia of losing power. The fact that 10,000 public servants were arrested and imprisoned who all supposedly played a part in this coup. I mean, if 10,000 public servants were involved in the (laughs) coup, it would would have have succeeded. succeeded. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, But, you know, transmitting subliminal messages kind of borderline kind of insane territory, and this is the person who's running Turkey. But if you look at the leaders of um, significant countries across the world, the United States, (laughs) Turkey, the Philippines, (laughs) India, I mean, we're being run by madmen.
0: Yes, unfortunately... Um, yes, and this is not a hypo- hyperbole. It's actually, like, certifiable that some of them are actually got serious psychological issues. And so, and I actually saw an article, another article on that story that headline what was, this is not a joke. They have actually have been put in jail for subliminal messages. And again, it's just like you said it's it's incredible and it shows how far we have gone down and the fact that i think once we've opened the bottom of the barrel then there's actually no end in sight um and the last item again it's a it's a it's a sad one i'm sorry to say it's um we've just passed the four-year anniversary of the anniversary of Reza Barati's death. Now Reza was uh, held in the Manus concentration camp um, for many years. He, there was a riot in February 2014 and he was uh, murdered. Now, there's never been an investigation into into that, and his um, his killers are still on uh, uh, free. And really, there's never been an investigation on the whole uh, setup of the brutality of Australia's uh, concentration camps. Which, uh, again, something that hopefully uh, in the future people will be held to um, to account. Anyway, that's all that we have, um, Giselle.
1: It is. We are gonna we're gonna go to some community announcements and return with um, a conversation with me about International Women's Day. But it would be remiss of us not to mention the um, passing of Zelda Prano, who, uh, as all of you will no doubt know, um, a feminist, a labour movement activist, a trade unionist, a communist here in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, who passed away last Wednesday. So we're going to talk about Zelda, Zelda's legacy in the context of International Women's Day, which is coming up next. But for now, some community announcements. 3CR, always bringing you the latest union news. They're coming after us at the moment. They want to get rid of penalty rates, the big push from businesses. They want to get rid of all the things that you and I have fought for. So
0: there's tens of thousands of jobs gone, contracted out, to sham contracting arrangements.
1: On 8.55am and on the web, 3cr.org.au.
0: It is listener sponsors who keep the radio station going. When you become a listener sponsor, you get a part of this radio station. You get a little part of it. It's yours. You get a little share of it. They talk about love on the radio. Say that you should buy it.
1: It's 3CR Subscriber Drive, and we're asking you to show your love for 3CR. Support your favourite show by calling us on 9419 8377 or online 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe $35 unwaged, $70 waged or $150 solidarity
0: Subscribe to 3CR today People lining up uh, out in the street, uh, out in Smith Street, and Collingwood, lining up to take out their listeners' sponsorship. Time now for Piers Weather Report. According to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. Pierre, yeah,
1: tell us. Tell us about the weather, Pierre. It's Oaken. just
0: on 14 past nine o'clock or maybe quarter past nine o'clock, depending on which uh, watch I've just put that just for you, Giselle. Oh, and I thank you. It's, it's windy out there, warm and windy. <laughs> warm and windy. That's right. That oh. is
1: the science of this morning's weather.
0: That's right. That's right. Okey-doke. Let's talk about more serious uh, things. International Women uh, Day, Giselle. Eighth of March. For the one or two listeners out there who do not know the history of IWEA or what it is, can you give us a quick summary of it?
1: Yeah. So obviously, these kinds of histories are very much disputed. But basically, International Women's Day started in 1911. Is the so in 2011 we commemorated a hundred years of International Women's Day, and it started in uh, the garment in. Industry and to be, I think it was in the United States but I don't know Chicago. Inter- I think quite yes, I think so. Um, and it was a campaign around health and safety. So International Women's Day always was. Its origins have always been in the labour movement. It was it was in fact called International Working Women's Day. And I think in the same way that um, feminism has lost ground to the liberals and. Um, Queer and gay rights has lost ground to the liberals. International Women's Day has lost ground to the liberal feminists, and working dropped out of the title of the of the annual commemoration.
0: Um, IWWD oh, probably sounds a little bit better, really a bit stronger.
1: <laughs> but for the last, so I'm one of the central organisers of International Women's Day here in Melbourne, Australia, and I've been involved in this since 1998. Long time (laughs) Long time I was 18 back then
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah And um, I'm sure you were just as wise then as you are now
1: Unlikely, Pierre And I think actually you know how much wisdom I lacked back then Um, But in any event um, for the last five years, through the, I guess, the intervention of Australia-Asia Worker Links, um, we had a real commitment to remind International Women's Day and remind Melbourne-Victoria that um, International Women's Day has been a workers' struggle.
0: And it's an international day.
1: And Yes, that's right. So we made approaches... Five or so years ago, to Trades Hall to come into the event and actually centralize it in Trades Hall's activities. And that, for the last three years, has really, really been the case. So, International Women's Day is an event on the Raw Fest calendar. Raw Fest is the Women's Rights at Work festival, which is coordinated by We Are Union Women at Trades Hall, and IWD is one of them. But it's a really excellent working. Um, Rel- relationships, not the quite, quite the right word. So while it's a trades hall event, there is still a collective that talks about and debates the politics of International Women's Day. We determine what the demands are every year, and they're really they're quite robust discussions. And I don't know any other organising space at the moment where you actually get to thrash out politics like this. I mean, Refugee Action Collective organises rallies and demonstrations, but I'm not sure that Refugee Action Collective discusses the strategies of the movement going forward. How are we actually going to free refugees? Now, IWD doesn't quite have those sorts of discussions, but we are laboured by the contemporary debates of the movement at any given point in time. I
0: mean, of course, that's that's with any organisation. And I hope that we haven't now got all these refugee activists going to call up and say... No, um,
1: no, it's not. No, no. And I didn't intend to disparage Refugee Action Collective. What I meant was that when you have an organising committee that is organising consistently and has consistent themes to their organising. Sometimes you take the politics Mm. for granted. It's not something that...
0: It has has its own momentum. Yeah.
1: International Women's Day almost starts from scratch every year in relation to discussing politics Um, and we determine a list of demands every year. So this year is no different. We have a list of demands. All
0: right, before I get to the list of demands, I'll just step back and um and you did mention about the sad passing of zelda de prano really a um a towering figure in this space can you give us a, a bit of context for people especially outside of victoria who sort of think what did she do how does she fit in and how is she still relevant
1: so zelda de prano is credited with um starting the equal pay campaigns here in Australia in the 70s. Um, she is. She worked in factories. She left school when she was really young, so she was a, what we would call today a child worker in a factory. But, of course, um, so this is in the 60s and 70s. Um, she got politicised in the factories in the workplace and became a staunch unionist. Um she was um just let me collect get my your, notes. Yeah, that's notes. right. I mean yep. the most the most significant um event that and these are the iconic mm-hmm. pictures of Zelda DePrano are those of her chained to the Commonwealth building and um it, the equivalent of the Fair Work Commission. Um, which launched, which was the start of an equal pay case that involved the meat workers' union. Um, of Australia, so um, the AMIEU, which today is a union that is still fighting fiercely for, um, for penalty rates and for a proper pay of its workers, and is in direct dispute, I would say, with the SDA, which is a union that is actually prepared mm. to sell mm. off workers' yes. pay, workers' conditions, all of these things that Zelda Doprano fought for. That's
0: right. Um, yes. Yes.
1: You know, so partly I'll go into yep. the contradictions in a moment, but also um zelda so part part of zelda 's legacy is her fierce fighting, you know, not just sitting around saying oh wouldn't it be nice if we had equal pay and you know, why don't we just elect the Labor government who will deliver for us equal pay? She actually fought. So she changed herself to a building. She organised, which meant she convinced others and others got involved. She didn't win by herself.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the, uh, the, the thing that sometimes when we look at history, we forget that often when there are these iconic uh, leaders, they're not in a, in a vacuum. They're usually strong, powerful leaders because there's actually a movement that they they come from um and i think that she organized some um, some kind of um public transport fee um thing as well where she got uh, people to only pay um 60 or whatever of the of the fee because so that's what women. women earn yes so um yeah so th- that's right i mean it's um it's very important to remember but also to remember i think you know all the other women that obviously were part and and men who were part of that movement that propel you know and are still working towards all those all those issues and maybe that brings us back to what you were saying about some of the um, uh, what are your demands what what was the fruit of those political discussions to uh, come out
1: and this is an important thing I absolutely agree I think sometimes the hero worship that we do in our movement is diminishing of these people that we call heroes but it is diminishing of everybody else's contribution as well so I'm always reluctant to go down the hero worship path At the same time, you, me, many of our listeners out there have experienced that sitting in a room with three people having a conversation called, we need to have a rally for this issue and starting from nothing and building something. And Zelda was one of those people. So in addition to being credited with the commencement of the Equal Pay campaign and that movement here um, in Australia. She's also credited with starting or or sowing the seeds of a feminist movement here, you know, and right now the International Women's Day Collective is, you know, between 10 and 15 people, mm-hmm. but at other points in time it's been one or two, so someone had to keep it going. Yep. Zelda was that person. So what are our demands? Um, we... We're demanding economic justice for women and we define that as a livable income for all women. So that includes penalty rates, that includes secure employment, that includes ending precarious work, that includes equal pay for equal or comparable work, paid maternity leave, all of the things that women require to participate in the workforce – And the the issue of parental leave is actually only something that arises because of patriarchy. Otherwise, it would be such a common experience for workers that we needed Mm. to take care of children. It also includes the right to unionise, the right to organise, and it demands an end to union-busting. There are also specific demands in this around um, sex work because sex work is a particularly discriminated area of work. In fact, for for many parts of the economy, sex workers aren't recognised at all. And it also um, calls for a recognition and compensation for women's unpaid labour, recognising the amount of domestic work that Can women do. Can I ask
0: on, on that point? So do you also call for something like a basic a minimum or basic living wage?
1: Yeah, we call for a livable income for all.
0: Right, Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: and it was phrased that way because, as you know, in AAWL we encountered the difficulties of calling for a single minimum wage for all workers across the world. With Mm. the economy structured the way that it is and the different values of currency, it became impossible. We're demanding free and accessible healthcare for all, affordable housing for all, and we're calling for justice for First Nations people. And again, under that we define that as sovereignty and self-determination for First Nations people. We are calling for a treaty. That was a discussion. Is treaty the right demand to raise at the moment? An end to Aboriginal deaths in custody and justice for the stolen generations and in recognising that children are still being stolen from their homes, an end to child removals, um, a compensation for the stolen wages, an end to the Northern Territory intervention and to stop the forced closures of Aboriginal community. So
0: that's a whole that's a very long list and I can see you've got the paper that's actually not finished listeners.
1: No. So there there are I mean we have 12 demands. <clears throat> and as I said we debated them extensively because the politics of international women's day are really important because feminism is fragmented in so many Right from the communists all the way through to um, the liberals and the right wing feminists who are, you know, who call for things that we absolutely can't stand for. So, defining and explaining where this particular women's struggle sits is important for what we end up fighting for on the 8th of March.
0: And, um, and of course, um, we've only got um, a couple of minutes, so maybe you can just quickly go what the activities are so, that are planned.
1: Absolutely. So there is a rally and March on the 8th of March, um, and that's at 5.30 on Thursday, the 8th of March, starting at the State Library. So get there um, and we'll have a march in the streets. But there's another event that um, both AFIDA and AAWL are jointly organising and that's on Monday the 5th of March and that's a public meeting called Women Organising Globally. I'm one of the speakers and I'll be talking about AAWL's global picket line work and how we organise internationally. Um Dita Norahidea is from the IUF and she and in Indonesia and she'll be one of the guests as well as with Shruti Patidar who is from India but also from the IUF, talking about their international um, organizing efforts. Ira Fidaus from the NUW Farm Organising Team is also a speaker and Samantha Bond from AFIDA will be speaking on that panel. So four women talking about global organizing. That's from six to eight o'clock at the MUA auditorium. It's a free event, but there will be um, drinks served at bar prices. So get along to that, and we will advertise that on um, the mini news. All right,
0: sounds um, fantastic. All right, well, thanks um, a lot for that, Giselle. So let's hope there's um, good weather as well for uh, the eighth of March. And... Always a scorcher. Yeah, bring yeah. a bottle of water. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, thanks uh, a lot, Giselle. Uh, you've been listening to uh, my. Uh, um, co-presenter here. Detailing all her hard work around International Women's Day and the fact that uh, it's um, well, there is a rally planned here on the 8th of March, and of course, around the world there will be lots of others as well. It's just on 29 past nine o'clock. We really have to go and um, um, stay tuned for Palestine Remembered. But that's all from us. You've been listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. I'm Pierre Morrow,
1: and I'm Giselle Hannah.
0: Hey, this is Nick from You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.